Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. And I'm happy to say Wendy made it to studio today after last week's traffic nightmares. It almost happened again, but she is here and settled in and ready to tackle your questions. As I mentioned, we're going to start with the issue of what you can and cannot take with you if you are moving out of a house that you've sold. And then we will move on to some other general uh, consumer issues where you, you can send us a voice note to 0725671567. Or if you've had experience with uh, the situation we're discussing, you're welcome to call us on 0214460567. Six, seven. Welcome back, Wendy. Thank you, Papa. Very <laughs> happy to be here. We are very happy to have you in one piece safely with us this time. You know, um, when, when we first started discussing, talking about this issue today, I was reminded of a conversation I actually had with a property lawyer many years ago when this question came up, Wendy, of what mm-hmm. you cannot remove from a home. And his answer I've never forgotten was that if you took the house off the ground, turned it upside down and shook it, everything that fell out could be moved out with you and everything that stuck had to stay in the home and be left behind. And this is exactly the issue we're discussing today. It is the issue. My one has been, if you need tools to remove it, it is a fixture and uh-huh. don't do it. But I think we're going to have a uh, someone far more um, qualified, to, qualified yeah. than us to talk about that, an attorney. And um, I have a feeling that might be a little, uh, yours is probably better. Mine is probably terribly oversimplified. But yes, so... Um, the issue is that when you buy a house, you are entitled to receive the property with all physical improvements of a permanent nature, permanent being the operative word, as well as all items which are permanently attached to the land or to the building or should be permanently. As I say, if you need to take your tools um, to it, then you, you're doing the wrong thing. Um, unless it's specified in the, in the in contract, the of course, yeah, that, yeah. The, that the buyer negotiated or the seller negotiated that this is of particular sentimental value or whatever, so a wedding present, for example, of a light fitting, yeah. and, and they want to take it. And then you can negotiate, okay, well, this is what you can replace it with this. And just, I mean, as with everything we discuss in this feature, communication is, is key. absolutely yeah. key. Right, so... A common law principle in our law provides that everything attached to the land effectively becomes part of the land itself. But with many house sales, disputes arrive, arise over which movable items have been attached to the property to the extent that they are regarded as forming part of the property itself and therefore included in the sale. So it could have been the beautiful established garden, which was the deciding factor for a buyer. But in the seller's mind, the most special plants that they've lovingly nurtured over years are theirs for the taking and the transplanting. And that could make for a bit of a horrible shock on moving in day for the, yeah. for the buyers. Or it could be the built-in bry or, as I said, something like a very sentimental um, light fitting. Okay, so what is the disputed item in today's case study? Okay, so in Craig's case, there were many bespoke features in the Tokai home which he bought recently uh, that he really loved. Um, but the prime one was, and, and the centerpiece of the home was a custom built unit, a huge one. I've sent you the photograph, Pippa. It's, it covers an entire wall of, of the living room. Yeah. And Craig told us in an email, the listing which advertised the house as having custom built uh, fixtures specified the unit and the Rawson estate agent went out of his way to brag that everything was Was included. included. I'm going to ask Rafik, my producer, to tweet those photos, by the way, at Cape Talk, if you want to take a look and get a visual sense of what it is that we're discussing. So very clearly specified that it is custom built for this house and it is part 
of what is on sale. Exactly. Okay. So in the email that, that Craig wrote to us, he said, transfer was on the 30th of September and the sellers asked if they could stay for two more weeks because they weren't ready to move out. So I let them stay and I moved in on the 14th of October. But on that day, he found that wall stripped, uh, repainted, not quite the same color as Oy. the other walls. I mean, even if you choose the same color, if there's been a few years in between the, the different be issue, batch, yeah. it's not going to match. Um, and the quote he got to replace the unit, because obviously he had a photo of it yeah. from the listing, um, was around 100000 Ouch. Okay. So you, this is a high-ticket item, and, and obviously the dispute is as equally big and high. Okay, now we've got Craig with us on the line. And Craig, thank you very much for being willing to chat to us today. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you. How did it feel walking into your new home and being greeted by that blank wall where once there was that beautiful custom but shelving that was such an appealing thing to you? Yeah, it's it's quite sickening. <laughs> um, it's not the best. It's not the best feeling, you know. Moving, moving houses is always incredibly stressful, but you know, this, this was it's an amazing house, and I was really excited to move in. And and it's the the features what greets you as you walk through the door. And I walked through the door with the agent because he'd got the keys. And and uh, the first thing I saw was this six by three meter blank wall, and I looked at the agent and I saw his face drop, and he's like, "That's not supposed to be empty." Oh and I gosh. and like that that was the that was literally the first thing I saw when I walked in. Oi. Okay, so it, it's a massive piece of furniture, Craig, specifically made for that wall and attached to it. It wasn't specified in the sale agreement as a fixture, though. Could you explain the story around that briefly? Sure. So, um, for, for, so the, the listing actually specifies, you know, these custom features. And when I came for the first viewing, the agent, you know, obviously went out of his way to go like, this thing's amazing. And it was built for this wall, which it was, mm. um, you know, he explained, I mean, it, it, I think, you know, it was, it, it was 160,000 Rand, which the seller has since confirmed because he tried to sell it back to me. 160,000 um, Rand. Okay. It was 160,000 Rand for this feature. And um, and so he was like, and this all stays with the house. And he went through everything. Now, the, the, the unit matches the kitchen. So it's, it, it's kind of, you know, it's a mirror of the kitchen. So, yeah. And I would never have assumed it wasn't included because it was built wall to wall, floor to ceiling. The tiles have been cut to accommodate it like it's it's proper. Anyway, um, when when we went through the whole thing and I was, you know, deciding what, you know, the specifications around what I wanted to, what I wanted the guys to keep as, or include as part of the sale, um, you know, he, I said, listen, is there any, what do we need to do this? And he said, no, that's a built-in, it's a fixture. You don't need to specify it. It has to stay with the home. And I said, okay, that's fine. So I didn't specify it. On their offer to purchase, there's a place where the seller can specify anything that they want to keep as that as a fixture, and that also wasn't specified. Oh. So it just wasn't it wasn't, wasn't spoken it, about. Yeah. Um, and- what I can tell you though is, I made I made my first offer. I made, and they came back, and it was rejected. And the 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 agent went out of his way. To use the fact that these the, this the, the price of this wall or the price of this feature and all the custom stuff went out of his way to use that as justification for me to increase my offer to what the seller wanted, which I did. Yeah. Um, and so to have it used as bait to get a higher offer and to arrive and it not be here, 
is obviously like a shock. Absolutely sickening, I'm sure. So what did you, I mean, oh, so you walk in with the agent, the agent says immediately that's not meant to be gone. Um, they were, yeah, okay, to be, to be generous, probably taken aback, uh, if you take it on good faith, that they didn't know the seller was taking it. I, I think we can state that. Probably, fact, okay. I've spoken to the yeah, agent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so both of you standing there with your jaws on the floor at what is, uh, what you were expecting to be there is not being there. What did you do next? Craig, what, what, what recourse did you try? Well, I said to him, I need, uh, you need to get the wall feature back. And, and he was adamant. He said, 100%, that shouldn't be gone. I'm going to speak to the guy. He, you know, he, 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 don't worry, I'll get it back. Like, obviously, he was in shock. He genuinely was in, in, in shock as well. I don't think he wanted to have that experience for himself or for me. Um, and, and so I kind of left. I was like, okay, fine, just get it back. And then it kind of went on and went on, and the stories got longer and longer. And, and eventually, I just realized that, that you know, the seller had told him, no, he didn't deem it as a fixture. It wasn't actually screwed into the wall. Mm-hmm. And so that makes it movable and he's not returning it. So like the, the, the seller just said, no, he's not returning it. Um, we approached SDBB, who are the convincing attorneys. They turned around and said, no, there's nothing they can do. It's not their, not their problem. It's not, you know, they can't act against their own client. And so, and so I said to Rawson, I said, well, listen, you guys are going to need to figure out how to get this thing back. And they kind of turned around and said, no, it's not their problem either. It's between me and the seller. They're, they're just agents. And so both STBB and Rawson kind of just shrugged, eventually just shrugged and went, we've tried phoning him. He's told us no, and it's on you now. So I had to take my, I had to send lawyers letters. I had to go to the expense of getting a lawyer to draft letters and send it through. The guy replied and basically said, no, it wasn't attached to the wall. It's not a fixture. Um, so I'm not not bringing it back. He did mail STBB and say it's a, it cost him 160 thousand rand to build it, and um, and I can buy it back for 80 thousand, uh, which oh. STBB forwarded me. And I replied and I said I've already paid for it. I'm not paying again. Yeah. Plus um, the transport, which would have been significant. Needed, it needs yeah. a special truck and and whatever. Well, I, in, in my in my response to the seller, I said I'll 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 pay for the transport for it to come back, but it has to be here. Like it, it is, is the feature of the house. It's what, it's what they use to sell the house. Yeah. Um, but he's just, he's just doubled down. He's just like, nope, not happening. Not interested. Um, Do your worst. So, yeah. And so I now, now my lawyers kind of turned around and said, well, he's, he's, he's not responding. And so the next step is to issue summons. And she said, she's like, listen, like I have to, I have to get you to question this because it's a very lengthy and expensive process now. And I'm kind of sitting there going, like, I literally, there's nothing I can do now. Like, you can, you can sell a house, take anything you want out of it, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. Like that's, that's, the, that's where the position I'm at, unless you're willing to, unless I'm willing to spend 100,000 rand legal fees to get 100,000 rand covered back. Craig, please stay with us on the line. So we're hoping to speak to a lawyer to get a view on this. Unfortunately, she's not answering her phone right now, oh, but I'm no. hoping in the next couple of minutes we will uh, keep on trying to find another number to reach her by. In the meantime, though, Wendy, you did take this up with Rawson Directory, who were the agents. I did. You I had a discussion I with I invited them. Yes, yeah. both the agent himself is mortified by the whole thing and um, superior, and they... I wanted one of them to come on the show, and they said they'd rather not. Um, but I think it's important just to to express what they told me off air. Um, and um, they said that this is the most severe case of fixture removal they've ever come across. Um, 
the uh, the seller had accepted uh, Craig's offer, the, the, the elevated offer. At no point was there ever mention of a side sale for the fixture or that it needed to be excluded from the sale, even after countless messages back and forth discussing other aspects of the sale. This was never mentioned, um, says the, the agent. I was of the idea that we were on the same page. The seller was a difficult character, didn't um, respond to emails at all, said, said that straight out and was difficult to get hold of. Um, you know, it's easy to avoid calls and uh, WhatsApps and all the rest. Mm. He wanted to take the built-in barfridge and jacuzzi. So that will give you his idea of what he regarded as things that he could take, um, although they're fixtures. Um, sure. And the agent um, was able to stop that from happening. Um he was told the seller was in no uncertain terms that the wall unit in question was a fixture as well. He says, we've also, we've, as I've said, tried calling WhatsApp's no response. Um, we've emailed the attorneys and have also, who have also advised that they cannot get hold of him. Um, clearly, the seller is not interested in entertaining us and doesn't seem to care. Yeah. So... Okay, so, all right, uh, I think what we're going to do is let's take our ad break and in the hopes that we can, during the next three minutes of ads and news break, get hold of the lawyer who had agreed to speak to us about this issue and answer some direct questions about what does and doesn't constitute a fixture of a home. It's a very important uh part of the conversation that must happen. Craig, apologies for the delay. Please stay with us on the line. Right, before the news break, you heard Craig describing his horror at walking into the home he had built, sorry, bought and getting ready to admire the gorgeous wall feature, which was such a key part of the reason he loved the home, and finding that the seller had taken it with him and taken it away. And we've been having this conversation about what you can or cannot take away with you when you are moving out of a house and what constitutes a fixture. Craig is going to stay on the line because I know he wants to hear the comments that are going to come from our next guest, who is a lawyer who will give us some insight into how the law views this issue. Tolakele Mukhubata is uh, an attorney and conveyancer with Norton Rose Fulbright, South Africa. And thank you so much for joining us, Tolakele. Welcome to the show. Hi, Pippa. Lovely to be online with you guys. Thank you. Okay, so, um, Wendy, let me hand over to you to start okay. questioning. Thanks. Hello, Tolakele. Um, what, Hi, Wendy. What does the agent or the agency they work for or the confer or the conveyancing firm rather um what if any liability do they bear uh, or carry for the actions of the seller as the as the as the party which brokered the deal um i suspect you're going to say none yeah. um so Wendy, when it comes to to liability there's a number of aspects that we need to look into and i'll try and be brief because of time but what we need to start off is we need to understand that the CPA provides that there should be no ambiguity or deception when goods or services are advertised for sale or promoted in any way. Um, therefore, the seller should always be aware of the, his actions um, and that they may be creating an expectation as to whether an item is included in the sale. Um, if a property is advertised as having a bespoke furniture or bespoke furniture in general, um, it's not okay to sell that. Um, contrary to what it was, what, what was advertised. When it comes to liability, um, it depends on the circumstances of the matter. Um, should it be something that is quite material, um, then you, you could place liability on the agent and conveyancer um, for not handling the transactions as per the instructions that were given, as well as per the sale agreement. And we just need to remember that when it comes to transfer processes, there's a number of 
role players that are involved. You have the seller and the purchasers um, who have the obligations that arise from the sale agreement. Mm -hmm. You have the estate agent who plays a very important role in terms of ensuring that there's a meeting of minds or an understanding in terms of the sale agreement between the seller and the purchaser. At times, agents wear um, a hat as an agent for the seller and sometimes as an agent for purchaser. But in all instances, there should be consensus. The conveyancer um, is someone that has to ensure that the property registers. But now the conveyancer deals with the, with the sale agreement that has been provided. Um, so what is important when it comes to liability is that you need to look at the specific role player um, or the, all the role players and how they were involved in the transaction. And most importantly, the sale agreement dictates how the transaction should take place. So it would be premature to state um, that which role player has that specific liability. Um, I've had a look at the pictures that you guys had sent through um, and looking at it, you could say that that fixture had been one that is of a permanent nature um, and it, you, the estate agent should have looked at it um, in such a way that he looked at the built-in cupboards as well in the bedroom. Yes, so, so the agent said to me it wasn't. Uh, it didn't make a point of making it um, a separate, a mm. separate specification because he said no more than he did with the built-in cupboards in the in yes. the bedrooms or the kitchen cabinets in the kitchen. You just it's taken that that's a fixture. Just something that came up during the show, which I wasn't specifically aware of. I, I was um, under the impression, and I don't know why, that the units, although um, custom built for that wall, weren't actually physically attached to the wall, and that's what the seller is and the odd. At times that he's been able to be to be contacted has said it's not a fixture because it's not physically contacted mm. uh, sorry attached to the wall in this case with a custom built um, piece of furniture that was advertised uh, uh, listed as being part of the deal um, mm. does that make a material difference it makes somewhat of a difference Wendy um, when we look at the general ruling, um, ruling law, um, when a buyer purchases a property and becomes the owner of it, the permanent physical improvements such as the buildings erected on the land, along with the items that are permanently attached to the improvements or buildings, um, are the purchases as well once they purchase it. So the key thing here is of the permanent nature. Was that built-in unit actually of a permanent nature? Was it screwed in? So if we aren't able to, to ascertain that it was of an, um, ascertain the nature of the item, the manner that it was attached to the property and the intention of the owner, the fact that it wasn't actually attached to the property might leave some, you know, room to say or to interpret that it wasn't actually, um, a permanent fixture on the property okay. in question. Mm. Except for the fact that it was advertised as being so and there was never yes, any discussion is, around the, the seller taking yes. it such a large, uh, piece you would um, there would never be a discussion over a small little uh, you know cabinet but this was you know custom built it's it's such an interesting case and I think like everything else we discuss in this slot communication is key um, although I have a feeling given what I've been told about the sale and that the attempted removal of the jacuzzi as well as a built-in bathroom, I have a feeling that these sellers might well have, no matter what was specified and discussed, yeah. might well have just seen fit to, to remove those cabinets or that unit anyway. Yeah. Tonika, you think been, it's, sorry, sorry, carry on. Answer first. Sorry, sorry, Wendy. I just want to specify how it's important that, you know, when we speak about communication, um, in law, communication is 
you know, should be in writing. Yeah, that's um, what we I understand mean. that yeah. people have verbal agreements and so on, but um, if, you know, that was supposed to be included, then that's something that has to be communicated. Again, we always go to consensus and um, the, the understanding of the agreements. All parties involved should understand that the end, at the end of this transaction, um, all of us understand who is, to, is supposed to receive what. Um, and I think in this instance, that's something that we need to, to, to pay attention to as well. Yeah. Tom Kelly, several listeners are asking questions about items which might be disputable. So, for example, somebody says, what, for example, if it is a freestanding stove that isn't built in, can the seller take that unit with them? And, and if so, would they need to put in a replacement is one question. Um, so, again, we'd go back to um, the permanent nature. It was the, the, the stove... Um, attached to the property permanently. Um, and if not, then the seller may take it. Um, however, that's when you have to disclose things such as stoves. The stove will be um, an, exclude or, or, um, an included item in respect of the sale agreement. So those things need to be specified. Um, other examples that people um, dispute, have disputes about would be your light fixtures. Um, where people believe that you'd need to, to take a life picture with you. But what we, what is advisable is that you'd actually replace it before you place um, the property on the market if you feel as though that that life picture should be taken, yes. um, taken off. Okay, that's that's very, uh, very good, good advice. One. So yeah. if you know you're going to want to take a specific item that might yes. be disputable, rather replace it with one you're happy to leave behind and avoid the yes. problem. Peter asking, what about a flat screen television that's attached to the wall? Again, you look at the the nature. I'm, I'm guessing they have those rotatory ones where you can actually rotate it. Hey, um, yes. So you you go back to the permanent nature. Yes, that is attached to the the the, the wall. Um, you could say that it it becomes part of the the property in question. Um, however, it is linked to the TV itself. Um, the reason why he put it up there might be because the TV doesn't have a stand um, and he wanted the TV to go up on the wall um, and as such he would want to take that with him. Um, You could link this with an example of your your pool cleaners, for example, um, where you, you would the, the pool serves the permanent nature. The pool cleaner serves the permanent nature of the pool, um, and as such, that would go with it at yeah. once. So I think that when it comes to a TV stand, that would also need to go with the TV when the seller moves out. Mm-hmm. Uh, one from me: um, t- satellite dishes. Is I remember earlier in the year speaking to a property attorney who said that can be. Um, a bit of a grey area, but to me, that's very much a fixture. I mean, you got a seller can't take, unscrew the the satellite dish, can they? Mm-hmm. So, when I look at it, um, it's not intended to be a permanent um, feature, as the owner would usually remove it with a decoder when he okay. moves the property. Uh, okay. When he moves property, so in this case, um, the movable item being the decoder cannot function without the accessory being the aerial. Um, so if you leave with the decoder, you need the aerial okay. as well. So that's yes, a, a, another one to specify, though, in your contract, yes. so everyone knows. Yes, uh, luckily for us, we're moving in times now where people don't really have a lot of aerials as well, um, with everything being online as well. So that also assists, I, I think. It does, yeah. yeah. So in your experience and, and, and that of your firm, um, what other examples of this kind of fixture removals have you heard about or dealt with that have become you know, very acrimonious because of a lack mm. of specification in the contract? Yes. Yeah. So 
one that I've, I've, I've heard of is one of Barstools, um, where you need to, yes, where you need to specify that the chairs are actually in, whether the chairs of the, um, of the bar are actually included. Um, especially when your chairs tie in with the theme of the bar. So for yeah. example, you have a, a bar area that is of wood, the counters are the wood, and the, the bar stools actually match that theme. You need to specify whether those chairs will be part and parcel of the entire bar. Um, and that was actually quite a tricky one. I wasn't aware that you'd have something like that, but that's something that people um, need to actually specify. Hmm. Um, another one would be, for example, with your curtains. Um, people take this lightly. So hanging by the hooks of rails or rods um, or screws into the wall, the actual curtains can be easily removed um, as such and are usually considered as a personal property. However, the rails um, and the rod. Um, should be left in place to be given um, of a permanent nature. So that you won't remove. You you, you take the curtain, but then you leave. It's a good um, differentiator. The mm. Take yes. the curtains, leave the rails. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. So a final question, Tolakela, before we say goodbye. We we heard Craig's story and you've seen the photographs and, and uh, mm-hmm. obviously he's in a very difficult predicament because nobody seems able to sort of take the matter forward. What does a buyer do to protect themselves from arriving at their home and finding themselves in a position like Craig, that things they were expecting to be there have been taken away? What should you do to preempt getting into that situation? Mm. Um, so the first thing, I'll name a few things, uh, Wendy. The first one is that the purchaser needs to scrutinize the agreement. Um, and if you, if, if you don't know how or, or where to even start with agreements of sales, you can approach an, a professional to assist you. Um, that's one point of call. Do not sign an agreement if you feel that there are gray areas and if you're not sure of, of, of something that has to do with the fixtures or fittings. Um, secondly, when viewing the property, ask about features that you are unsure of um, and ensure that they are listed on the agreement. Um, that's another way. Um, thirdly, keeping track of the transaction. This is where now the conveyances and the estate agents would come in as well. Um, when a seller moves out, the estate agent or the purchaser needs to be present to ensure um, that those, um, those objects that are included are actually left behind. So these things require more administrative work, but I mean, purchasing a property is a big investment for many people and taking these extra steps could actually be be beneficial, even though it requires more checks and balances from your side. Um, And also just requesting constant updates from your estate agent. If there's no communication, approach um, the conveyances as well um, and ask them for, for dates in which the sellers are moving out so that you can be present and you can ensure that all the properties are there. Um, one other example that I have, this is in, 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 link, in, in line with the seller, but it could be beneficial for the purchaser as well, um, is that when the, the seller can prepare a list of items um, which are to be included in the sale, and this would be prior to the listing of the property um, with an estate agent. Um, and then this is encouraged, um, this, sorry, this is encouraged that this list forms part of the mandate of the agent in order to allow the agent the opportunity to point out the items um, which are to be removed by the right. seller prior to That's the registration. That's great advice. So in that way, you control things um, from your point of view, um, and you tell them from the onset, guys, this is how um, these are the, the objects that I feel that they will need to be included or excluded. And from the mandate onwards, there's a clear understanding. So um, if the purchasers or purchasers in general can go about doing these um, four points, I think they'd be protected. Torakele Murubata, thank you so much uh, speaking to us there. Attorney and conveyancer with Norton Rose Fulbright, South Africa. Thank you for your time.
Thank you very much, lady. And all the best to you. Right, uh, Craig, listening into all of that, I don't know if that advice is going to be of any help to you in resolving your situation, but it certainly has uh, clarified a few things on what to do if you ever go through this process again. Um, Craig, just in closing, are, are you intending to pursue your own further legal action over this? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, it's going to, as I said, it's going to cost me 160,000 rand to replace it, or I can spend 160,000 rand legal fees and get it returned, um, or, or get a seller to do it. Uh, I, I, I can't let it go. I have to, I have to get it sorted. Um, the one thing that wasn't addressed from a legal perspective is, is, you know, preparedness is obviously everything. But once you're in this situation, there doesn't seem to be, I was hoping there'd just be a, a simple, like you could go to, a governing body and go, hey, listen, can someone just tell me if this is a fixture or not and make make a quick ruling? I, I don't know why it has to be a, such a burdensome experience or such a burdensome process to get the determination. There isn't such a platform, and that I think you would have to, your, your attorney, his or her job, to tell you, um, you know, realistically what your chances are. I'm just thinking that such a large unit and made specifically for that wall in your Beautiful home. What if? What if it's in pieces now? What if? I mean, yeah. I mean, short of building another wall to spec, how is he going to use it? In yeah, the, it's a very it just strange seems very situation. Bloody yeah. minded yeah. thing to do. It really does. Craig, I'm so sorry you've been through all of this, but thank you for joining us and on the show. And please keep us posted. And please let us I know will. what progress. Okay. Good I luck will. to you. Thank I you. really hope the next time we speak, it's to tell us that you've got your wall unit back, Craig. Craig in Takai. Okay, yeah, several people commenting about their experiences in the WhatsApp line. Anonymous saying, I purchased a property and when I moved in, a number of items had been removed that had been bolted in previously. I told both agent and lawyer and neither did anything. It costs more to make a fuss and try and do the right thing than to just walk away. Well, that is what Craig seems determined to yeah. do. And yeah, and friends of mine bought a house in Somerset West and there were two feature chandeliers, light fittings in the main lounge dining room area, yeah. both just gone, wires hanging from the ceiling. No, they were on. specified, did all the right things, and just just both of them said, you know, it's, it's more trouble and money than it's worth. But the one thing that really, and I'm going to get um, a whole of Tulakele uh, off air, was that be present when the move happens yeah. um, because you own the house at that point. Um, but was that, what happened in this case, the, the agent told me, was that um, the sellers, they were going to do a walkthrough before the, the, the move and that, whatever, and they did it on a date without telling him. So by the time he made the call to confirm meeting at the house, they said, oh, we've already moved. So I think there was... It may mm. suggest some intent, possibly. Um, I don't want to say too much because this case is it's still current, legal, yes. but that's my take out. But but in the in the normal course of events, um, I think that's a good point, and I would certainly do that if I'm if I moved again, is to say um, I want to be present when you move. I mean, they might not like it, but mm. legally. Uh, well, from what we just heard, there's nothing stopping sure you from that you're doing not that. Stuff which is now legally mine. Yeah, yeah. I would sure. suggest doing that. Okay, it's that's very interesting advice. Okay, there are one or two very legal questions coming through about the responsibilities and mandates of conveyances. I'm not happy to tackle those with Wendy, who is not a lawyer. What I will do is set those Thank aside you. and get a conveyancing lawyer in on legal talk next year uh, to to speak to those. Uh, a couple of people really saying they think the agent needs to have stepped up here. Um, uh, Faye's comment is we saw 
sold our house about three months ago marked all of the permanent and loose fixtures that come with the house. Some agents are not interested in asking the seller which are attached. Well, if we would have one thing from that, from that interview, it was the value of a very thorough list. Wendy, up front. Up front part of the mandate to the estate agent so that it is part of their understanding of how the property is marketed and there can be no dispute. Well, and if there is a dispute, the problem is, as in, yeah. as in um, Craig's case, um, the seller just says, do your worst, and then you've got to... That's the Go problem for that. me. You have all these protections in law, in the agreement, but if they still you know, choose to take stuff that they know they're not entitled to then and say, well, you know, that's happened. Then you still have a legal battle. So that's the, yeah, that's the difficulty. Okay. We've got about 10 minutes in hand or not quite. And if I may, I want to just address an email that's come in from Vic, which I think is going to be a relatively simple one to respond to Wendy. Uh, And then we'll get back to the pricing issue if we have time for that. Vic emailed me with, and I'm glad we've got a few minutes to speak to this because I'm not entirely sure that Vic is being reasonable in his expectations, but I'm interested to hear what you think. (laughs) So Vic wrote to say, I bought a ticket for my cleaning lady to attend a funeral. And unfortunately, when buying the ticket online, I inserted the date I made the booking instead of the date of the intended departure, which was actually the following day. So in other words... So are you talking about a ticket or a a plane? A bus ticket in this case, yes. He was buying a bus ticket thinking he was buying it for tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock, but he actually made it for today, 9 o'clock. So she arrived at the bus depot and was told, I'm sorry, this bus that this ticket is for left last night already, Mm -hmm. uh, 20 minutes after the booking had been made, in fact. (laughs) And they would not let her board the next day's bus, even though her ticket hadn't been used. Vic says, I emailed the customer care department and was told, sorry, but as the bus had left with no delays and no issues on their side, she wasn't entitled to use the ticket or to receive a refund. His comment is, I'm sure the CPA would have something to say about this. Even if they charged a small admin fee for the change, for what was an obvious error by myself, doesn't the CPA overrule irrational or unfair clauses? Now, to be fair, Wendy, the cancellation clauses are absolutely crystal clear that no ticket um, will be refunded after the bus yeah. has left. That That's passengers the are required to be at the depart- departure point 30 minutes prior to the scheduled departure time and that no ticket change can be affected within 15 minutes of the scheduled departure time or after departure and such tickets, if unused, are subject to a 100% cancellation fee. So they're absolutely crystal clear in their terms and conditions. And they, are, they wouldn't be contradicted by the terms of the... Of the CPA. The, no. Okay, so is, I mean, Vic's, Vic described that as an unfair or irrational cause. I, I didn't necessarily think no, it was. I, d- I don't agree. I understand yeah. his frustration wholeheartedly and, and it caused a lot of drama and it's a waste of money. But, um, you know, these laws are fair to su- supplier and, and consumer. And in that case, um, he doesn't have a leg to stand. And it was just an unfortunate mistake, but one that he must bear the cost of, not the company. What mm-hmm. the CPA does say is that you may cancel an advance booking um, and the supplier may apply a cancellation penalty um, the closer to the to the event happening you cancel, obviously the bigger the penalty will be yeah. and could be 100% um, forfeit because they wouldn't have had the opportunity to resell the ticket and the cancellation was not of their making. So, but, but certainly after the event, if you've missed, if you've made a, a, a booking mistake, um, you don't have recourse. If I could just insert quickly here, yeah. um, in, if you're booking a, a, a flight yeah. and a lot of people do have finger trouble, especially June, July, because the the the, the number the date the days of the week the days apply to the same day of the week. week. So okay. the second of February is the same day of the week as the second of March. So people um, 
often make a mistake there. Yeah. If you make a mistake with a date and you, or you uh, insert the wrong name, you, you put someone's um, nickname instead of their actual name, which means that they, they, they will be rejected from their ID or that mm. kind of thing. Um, most airlines do give you 24 hours in which to cancel for no penalty. So that's something to know and yeah. um, to check. Um, don't make the booking, just leave it once it's made. Just you know, go back in the next few hours or so just to check that everything's 100%. Perhaps, you know, you, your your brain is functioning on a different level. Yeah. And you might say, oh, what is I thinking? That's wrong or whatever. But um, it didn't always, that, that um, grace period didn't always exist. But with most airlines now, they will um, do it. But obviously time is of the essence and you can't go back to them a week later and want to change because then they will charge you a change penalty okay thank you and obviously any changes in the actual ticket so you know if the one booking you got the date wrong and the first booking the mistake one was not in a peak period and the actual date you want is obviously you're going to need to pay the difference in the fee yeah but i'm talking about the actual um fee to change um will be waived in the first 24 hours Okay, that's good to know. Again, I've just been through a flight booking process last night, Wendy, and uh, of a ticket that I may well have to change because yes. it's linked to my return from Antarctica, which is linked to the weather. Um, <laughs> and it was very, it was a very interesting actually process because I checked very carefully what what are the clauses, by when do I need to let them know, what will the fees and, be, and yes. it was very. I will say for Sam Air, well done. It was very clearly spelled out on the side of the page as I made the booking. When the ticket was sent through by email, it was spelled out again. And in all of the subsequent communication, it has been in every piece of, of Good of to know. And that's yeah. something very key because if, as like most of us, you make a booking um, thinking everything's going to go well, whether it's for a function or for, for, for travel, um, you don't necessarily want to be distracted by a small print or whatever. You don't go looking for it. But I always say, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Yeah. And there you were somebody who knew that there's a good chance of you having Having to have a flexible flight and having to change. So you look for them. But we should assume that we may have to cancel every time we make a booking. Seek out those terms and conditions before we pay so Mm -hmm. that we maybe wouldn't use another carrier if it wasn't to our liking or whatever or if it was an expensive change fee applicable. So thank you for raising that. That's really good advice. We should always do what you did. Um, We always assume that um, we may have to change. Yeah, it's good advice, I think. Yeah. Okay, Wendy, thanks for that. Okay, Vic, thanks for your question. And I'm sorry it's not the answer that you would have been hoping to receive, but uh, I think it is a fairly clear one that Wendy has given. Um, okay, we won't have time to tackle the pricing issue, so maybe, Wendy, you would like to pick that up with Bianca next week, the other story we thought we might get to yes, today. Yes, I'll do a bit more research okay. on it in the meantime. Shall we just close with one very quick one, which I think can be dispensed with easily, and it's a tweet from Marshall, who says, I have, and it actually links back to our first story in a way. Okay. She says, I have so many estate agents calling my cell number asking if our home is up for sale i mentioned to them it's a private number please don't call me on this and where did you get it from and they say they've received my number from the estate agency list it is so frustrating is it allowed no like any i think we've covered this on a show many months ago um the direct marketing protections in the consumer protection act and in papia i mean are very clear if you say no don't phone um, and they continue to do so, that is a problem. As for um, a, a blanket uh, do not contact, well, yeah. you can put it, we've talked about this, there's just the uh, direct marketing associations list and not all uh, direct marketers are members. Are members yeah. And so it doesn't apply. But I, what I always say is just name and, sh- and shame on social media. It's it's softest way to get okay. them to behave and, and get and also yeah. privately get hold of the company and say, can you 
I don't, I'm not selling my house. I'm not interested in these nuisance calls. You know, please put an instruction out that, that I it's, do not want to be contacted. I always think it's so short-sighted because all they're doing is ensuring that when she does come to she sell won't her house, she's not those. going to use that agency yes. because it's got a very negative association. I think in in what used to happen, yeah. and which is perfectly acceptable, someone pops a thing in your post box and says, I'm, you know, I have lots of buyers for homes this in this area. area. Yeah. If you choose to sell, please consider us. And that's perfectly acceptable. Because that's it's, not intrusive. It's a low you can take it and put it straight exactly. in the dustbin if you don't want it. Or but, magnet yeah. it to your fridge because maybe you might yeah. want to sell. Wendy, that's where I say goodbye for the year Aww. and thanks. But it's only two weeks away and then we're back again in early 2023. Yes. Although Wendy is going to be here in my absence. So um, you can listen to her next week, Wednesday, with Bianca. And I will see you in 2023. And I'm sure all the listeners join me in wishing you the most fabulous <laughs> adventure. Thanks, Wendy. In the cold.